0: Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Dambro Business. Uh, I'm joined today by Brad and Cyril Moore, the founders of international children's charity Operation Orphan. Um, thank you for coming in, by the way. Thank you. And Welcome. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could start by telling us a little bit about yourselves, your background and just how, how Operation Orphan started, how it, how it got off the ground really. Sure. Yeah.
1: So um, uh, I'm Welsh. I grew up in a little village in (laughs) South Wales um, and the African Children's Choir came to our kind of town when I was young. And I remember that had a massive impact on me, just seeing that there were people that were, you know, living with no parents, nobody to fend for them. Mm -hmm. And that just really kind of struck a chord with me. And um, yeah, I had various just different, I was just searching to see how I could possibly help these kids, you know. Yeah. So even yeah. from a young age, I was de- determined that when I grow up, that's what I want to do, want to help orphans, want to help children that don't have anybody yeah. to stand in the gap for them. That's right. So, yeah.
2: And I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. Okay. And uh, for me, I had a, a real pivotal moment in Moldova when uh, in my early 20s and just saw children that had been taken from, The sewers of Kishinu and were given a new home, Mm -hmm. and I happened to just have the privilege of being a witness to that, and Mm -hmm. something really snapped in my heart, and I kind of made a promise there that I would that would I would be part of helping children like that, you know, and obviously growing up in Africa and seeing that side of things was was it all just kind of came together, yeah. Yeah. uh,
0: What took you over to Moldova in the first place? What why were you there? It
2: was I just after you know um, the countries in the US sort of kind of broke up and okay. uh, people were going in and finding situations where children were real in real difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um and we went, so, volunteer, and I went as a With volunteer to go from Livham. From, from Lithuam, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah local were, connection. Yeah. yeah, there were lots Definitely. of people
1: from this area. Yeah. You all went together. I remember I we didn't did. go.
2: And what we're doing, renovating um, <laughs> some houses. There were ten homes and they were renovating to uh, to make homes for these children. And so we were renovating the second one and we'd raise money from here and And we're kind of using that to to fund it. And so, yeah, we're part of there, and the first half has been completed. And these children were being brought into the first house while we were there. And it just yeah, completely changed my life. Yeah.
0: So you were already involved in charity work before you started Operation Orphan Up Yourselves.
1: So Brad was working the, for a local church, yeah. actually, at the time. Okay. And I think it was a group from that church that decided they wanted to go out and mm-hmm. help. <laughs> um, they were just from all walks of life. Some were builders and more hands-on, yeah. you know. But everybody just went over yeah. with an aim to help build.
2: They brought something to the yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've been involved in youth work. Um, yeah. So working with young people yeah. been a really core cool part of our lives. So uh, yeah, it's just all of these little in, you know ingredients come together. and uh, Fascinating. Yeah. So when
0: did when did it actually start? When did Operation Often itself, the entity, become what it what it became?
2: That became an entity in two thousand and ten. Okay. And uh, yeah, so uh, years before that, we were supporting children in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. just on a voluntary level. Um, but then it just kind of formalized in, in 2000 and it's grown from, there. It's grown from I, there i know
0: this year you've you've been doing a lot obviously on the back of the russian invasion to, into mm-hmm. ukraine i wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that what you've what you've been doing over there
2: so the response to that uh, situation you know there's lots of children that are, are being impacted and especially the single moms and you know the woman fleeing and the children fleeing and uh, over the years we have built up a disaster response team mm-hmm. that goes into sort of tough situations and and to help the children so we deployed um, early on in the in the war, we've been working in Moldova for, for many years prior to that, mm. um, dealing with winter clothing for children because it gets yeah. incredibly cold, sub-zero. Yeah. So it was almost like a culmination of all of those factors. Yeah. Came together, deployed with a team and uh, been, you know, in the area, southern Moldova and into southern Ukraine mm. and just identifying these, these ladies and their children living in the villages, living in refugee centers and then ensuring that they are known supported and have what they need and and kept safe yeah
1: yeah the reason for that sorry
2: no absolutely no
1: the reason for that really is because um those ladies and their children are at risk you know they're at risk of being trafficked Mm -hmm. um and so our intervention is to prevent that so we come and disrupt things and also just give them what they need so that they are then not Kind of likely to be trafficked yeah. so take that kind of big need away and then they're more stable right. and less likely to yeah. to succumb to people's plans you know yeah. that are yeah. with ill intentions to Absolutely. to harm yeah. them so yeah. yeah so that's kind of one of the, the things we've been doing and then just giving out aid so giving out food really practical support for children and families so mm-hmm. giving out blankets and warm clothing right. coats food, firewood, anything really that is essential for living, you know, when you've had to flee really quickly and you've left everything behind and you're staying. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I really noticed when when the team went over first is the beautiful nature of the Moldovan people. So we've been, like Brad said, helping in Moldova for years. Very, very, very poor country, Mm -hmm. very poor um, they can't afford just the basics, you know, they struggle. and Yeah, yeah they, they kind of have to choose between heating their home or eating. Right. That's kind of where, where things are at. But yet these people, when other people were in need, were the first to open their homes yeah, right. and take the people in. Yeah. And so what we've kind of come along and done really is just supported them. They're the ones that are actually doing the work yeah. and looking after the families. And we've just gone, can we help you by providing some firewood? Can yeah. we help you by, you know, offsetting some costs for... Food and living,
0: you know. I suppose because I know we were talking before you guys came on camera Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. when you guys go in, you you tailor what you do to the situation, obviously as you have to. I mean, Mm -hmm. what kind of intelligence do you have about that? You're going after going after. You're going to look out for a very specific group of people. Mm -hmm. How do you find them? What kind of, as I say, intelligence do you kind of rely on to locate these people? The reality is in
2: every country, the local people know what the local people need. Exactly. They are the ones that. Uh, you know, have the networks. They know what would help. They know what to do. Often, it's just the resources that they that they lack. Yeah. So, our strategy in every country we operate in is find those local people that have committed to helping people that have demonstrated personal sacrifice, de- demonstrated love, demonstrated proactivity with the little that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just been very blessed in to find these people. You know, and I think uh, a lot of it is just putting yourself in that environment, knowing what to look out for you introduce to people, eventually you find them and then you ask them what would you do? And so suddenly your intelligence and your strategy becomes very uh, targeted and specific and, and genuinely helpful yeah. for not a lot of money And because they all often think very resourcefully because they don't have a lot of resources. Yeah. So um, that's how you can you can t- uh, tailor it and then you keep that question, you keep asking well, what else do you need and then eventually if things change you sort of get new information and so yeah. you adapt your response and being flexible with your ability to deploy resources with the intention of it actually keeping a child safe warm healthy or learning one of those things then you know that your resources can then stabilize that yeah. child's environment oh, amazing so it's just working with local people and just and a partnership they know it's
0: what they know what, yeah, they, they, know need what they need, they need what they more, they than, do more than and else often, does,
1: they? And that's the thing so we think as westerners we go into a situation and we often think we know best yeah. i know it's like it's generalization But we often do, we just kind of go, oh, this is what you need. So, for example, when um, Nepal earthquake happened, there were people from Ireland sending lorry loads of bread, for example. Um, And that's really lovely. The intentions are so pure. They send in this bread because they think that this is what people need. But actually, the bread is then, you know just held up by customs. Well, it got stuck it for six months on the border. It doesn't get through, yeah. so it's no good anyway. But actually, it's not bread that those people needed. They've got plenty of rice and what they actually eat in the country. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, I think the key is... To, to find that knowledge from the local people that's really key yeah. um, rather than just like what we think they need
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah No, absolutely and you mentioned their resources obviously we're, we're filming in our, our, our HQ today mm-hmm. um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the relationship that you guys have got with, with Danborough with the Danborough Foundation and with our founders Helen and Damien yeah,
2: absolutely so um, well many years ago we we knew damien and helen as friends and uh I, as they started danbro we were sort of exploring operation orphan and um when in 2009 um we came things had kind of matured to a point and we were over a cup of coffee and, and i remember damon asking and saying well how can we help you know and one of the questions one of the things that we as a couple had really wanted to achieve with the charity was that if somebody gave us a pound for the child that that pound would be used to help the child but you can't run a charity in the UK without it costs core costs. It costs yeah. money because we're, in, you know, there's the accounts and there's insurance and there's all those sorts of things. Um, and so he said, "How can you help?" And we said, "Well, would you consider underwriting the core administration costs of the charity so that we could then engage with the public in, in a in a in a new way?" Um, and they agreed. And so it was that agreement many years ago that allowed us to incorporate and then to to um, to grow that um, our interface and then our uh, you know, sort of work around the world. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and the foundation, tr- you know, the foundation came along and transitioned from Damien and Helen, mm-hmm. and picked it up and have, made, you know, continue that uh, incredible it's, support. Yeah. And so it's something that is an incredibly unique model. Yeah. It's a beautiful way of how business and, and charity can work together and everybody stay in their lanes. Yeah. You know, it's like actually the more successful we become is it's because of our uh, uh, Partnership, mm-hmm. um, and so that relationship has has developed and grown, yeah. and the impact across the world is a shared experience. We share it together, and that is something very very special. Mm. Okay. And as Danbro
1: has grown, yeah. operation orphan has grown, and so yeah. it's been yeah. brilliant actually to yeah. see that. And it was really important for us because we wanted to be able to reassure the public who are concerned about charity. Yeah. And you know, there have been some stories that have hit the headline, which puts charities in you know under the spotlight mm-hmm. and and rightly so. And I think people do need to be accountable for their actions. But I mm-hmm. think it, what that's done is sort of reduce people's trust really in, mm-hmm. in the charity sector yeah. and where their money's actually going mm-hmm. and cause people to think more about giving. Um, and so actually being able to say that 100% of your your donation mm-hmm. is going to help the children yeah. is massively that's empowering. Yeah. And it just helps us to show people that we are trustworthy. We mm-hmm. you know that we have integrity and that when they give us money, that is actually where it's going mm-hmm. and they will make a big difference. So yeah. Yeah. it's a fantastic thing to be able to say, and yeah. we are so
0: grateful, grateful yeah. for Dan Bro. No, well, I know that feeling's yeah. reciprocated. I know everybody here, we're very proud to, yeah. to support your charity and what yeah, you guys I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, on a, on a personal level, a lot of people have got good intentions, have got ideas of going into into what you guys do, of, of supporting people who are less fortunate than, than themselves. Why do you think that you guys have been able to drive that and actually? Turn it into your career, as it were. you mm. It's your life's work now.
2: I'll give you um, sort of a, a, a timeline. You know, so when we both of us came to the the commitment to help children and orphans mm. separately, with, independently of each, of each other. Yeah. So when we came together, we were in Uganda, um, and we were trying to ask this question: Do we set up a charity? Do we support another charity? How do we outwork this? Um, And so from my perspective, having grown up in Africa, I saw so much misuse of international funds. Mm -hmm. I saw how international money was used as political weapons. It was used as, you know, driving foreign policy and those things. And actually, like 10, 20 percent of the pound was actually benefiting the child and the rest of it was just getting squandered. And one of the things that I felt was, is there, there's got to be a different way. Mm-hmm. Because donor confidence from from the all the money that was raised in the eighties and the nineties and you, people are like really skeptical about where my money goes and rightfully so. Because yeah. I witnessed it on the other mm-hmm. side. Yeah. So that was one of the primary ethics, primar- is really, and ethics. Important yeah. to us, really And so one of the that was one of the primary reasons why we said, Let's go ahead and try and model something, maybe that's a bit different. Is it possible mm-hmm. to do this? That was the question. And then in that same trip, the hundred percent promise. We felt was, was was needed to be there for donor confidence, which meant we couldn't incorporate it. So for eight years, we supported kids in Zimbabwe, with volu- on a voluntary basis, and right. that was a huge test. In do you really believe in this? This
1: is before the. This charity is before the
2: charity yeah. incorporated. So this is before that conversation with Damien and Helen. It was, are you serious about this? Are you willing to fight and uh, you know and and you only able to do this much because your infrastructure is not there and we we really tried. So it was a real test on our character while we were working um and so the the birth of operation orphan there was a decade Mm. (laughs) are you with me of real testing and experience and testing why set up your own charity so what are the complaints of donors how much how much does the directors get paid how much of my money goes to um, you know to helping the children what about our children here in the uk Mm. so we try to look at what are the complaints of somebody who's worked hard for their money and wanting to give it to charity, mm-hmm. who should be a, a faithful steward of that and respect that hard-earned uh, money given for the benefit of that child. And as a charity, you should be a good custodian of yeah. that. Um, and so, all of these questions were tested and you know, in our character and our commitment. And and then also, Damien and Helen putting their trust that we would steward that. And so, it's built. Um, and even for us, we did it voluntarily for years. And it was Damien and Helen that came to us and said, look, guys, it's growing. I think you guys need to step up, step up and come come <laughs> yeah, part time yeah. into it. So, you know, we, where we are now is not be our motive was never to get a job. Our motive was to help the, the children. Yeah. And we've had the privilege of being supported mm. by amazing people um, yeah. who believed in that call and joined us on that call. Do so, you mind
1: answering those questions that you asked? Because I think that would be really useful. You know, you just asked about three questions and you, yeah. these are the complaints of people. Yeah. Do you want to just explain yeah, so, how we've actually. Um, so how do you, you know, get, you know,
2: someone things. says to me, as, as, as directors, how do you get paid? Well, we get paid from a foundation that completely understand what they're giving. They know how much we're earning and mm-hmm. they are happy with what we're, <laughs> what yeah, we're yeah. earning. And it's covered by a board and it's covered by founders. So everything is transparent and it's, it's not excessive because mm-hmm. so that, that's the accountability of how much mm-hmm. we earn. Yeah. Um, secondly, how much of your money goes to help the children? Well, we can say 100% because of this separation, mm. you know, because we've, we've identified what core administration costs are and what um, what the costs are of supporting that uh, care structure around the child. So this is really important. We don't give money to the child. We invest in the care structure, the immediate care structure of the child. You create a healthy, safe environment. That child is naturally going to grow up within the context of the environment to be as strong as they can be yeah. within that environment. So mm. that's where the money goes. And we're very clear on how we invest people's money and it's again contextualized across every country is different but the fundamental core of everything we do is the child yeah Mm. um and then what about our children in the uk so um, a lot of
1: people used to say that you know you're helping internationally that's great but what about it and so we
2: were quite we were patient with that because there was a lot of foster agencies and you know adoption agencies and you can naturally in the uk you can naturally try and duplicate and one of the things we look for are gaps in the care structure so we wait, wait, wait. And eventually this um, project came up called Forget-Me-Nots. And um, what that has evolved into is um, basically working with social services. And they tell us, look, we're going to the kid's bedroom. If we don't address these practical needs, then it's going to escalate and the children potentially could go into care. But yeah. if we can mitigate it now, they, we could arrest that fall. Um, and so we found a gap in that. And so we're addressing bed poverty here in the UK and other mm-hmm. things. But it's led, again, same principle. Who are the ones that are in the media care structure of the child that know the children? Well, mm. in our situation, it's the social services. Mm. So they tell us what we need and we respond. Yeah. And we, we put that information out to the public and then that public can give and it's intelligence led. It's from the, ch- the needs of the child yeah. dictate what we're giving and not the, not the driver of the donor, mm. right, yeah. Or the, the, the ambition of the donor. It's the other way around. And yeah, what's yeah. brilliant
1: about that project is that so many children that could have been removed from their families, yeah. families who love them, yeah. but just, you know, they weren't in a position yeah. to be able to give those kids practically what they needed. Yeah. So many of those children now are thriving and they've yeah. been taken off of the register, so they're not even being yeah. looked at Amazing, anymore. Yeah. So they, you know, they stayed with their families yeah. and yeah. we can say that we were part of making that yeah. happen. No, which that's is
2: incredible. And in Amber yeah, Value, they did really statistics the of all the children that were on known to social services and forty percent are now off that list because of the interventions and the, you know the multi-agency response. Wow. And ours is one of them because it's the, the resources are, are really drying up, you yeah. know, in, in our even in our society. Yeah. So that's a huge number of children yeah. that are not on the pathway to going into care. Yeah. Um, and this just ties into what, the same principle in Ukraine and and in Moldova. And we and we've developed what I've. Coined as a phrase, in myself just to try and understand is counter exploitation. So we're dealing with anti-slavery and you know modern slavery and you know, trafficking and sexual exploitation. Well, the question is, why do those people end up there? And often it's because their resources or there's a need that then makes them vulnerable that somebody takes advantage of. Yeah. So if you can counteract that, then then they're less likely to go into that world. So yeah. um, that works here in the UK, works overseas, um, and even in county lines. I spoke to a police inspector. And he said to me that. One of the reasons some kids get caught up in, in county lines is because maybe their mom needs they, there's a bed or there's something practical at home, and they can, this is an opportunity for them to earn money. Yeah. So, so this sort of proactive preventative um, approach yeah. eliminates the potential, you know, a number of young people that potentially could end no, up absolutely. in that. No, absolutely, it racket. sounds so it's
0: effective. Powerful. I think it's global. Going slightly back to um, what you were saying about obviously with the cost being underwritten mm-hmm. nowadays, obviously. Finances are tight across the mm-hmm. board, and yeah. um, the cost of living things are things are mm-hmm. getting harder. Mm-hmm. How do you communicate what both yourselves earn and what the what your staff earn mm-hmm. with the people who are donating the money? How do you how do you sort of because it must be quite difficult mm-hmm. as you've mentioned mm-hmm. with that from a charity perspective when mm-hmm. you are effectively still running a business, mm-hmm. whereas with a business
2: you wouldn't have to justify that Correct. to to yeah. anybody. Well, every annual return, every annual report that we give, our salaries are declared run the charities commission. Um, We come to the Danbro um, and give updates, and there's you know that information is there. Um, uh, Helen is on our board, so she knows exactly (laughs) how much we're getting paid, and if there was a problem, so there's a lot of transparency. (laughs) Um, And so that would be our core costs, and then the project costs. We work on a real living wage basis, so staff, and then obviously just a small increment. So we try and make sure that from a staffing perspective salaries are not exuberant are Mm -hmm. you with me and anybody asks that we're we're open book so and i say that to any corporate clients anybody we engage with i can tell you how much i earn do you mean but at the same time we have to be that transparent you know you're
1: though to be able to pay our people a little bit more
0: because yeah
2: exactly we've got
0: a
1: brilliant team and they work so hard exactly and And actually we want to keep them
0: yeah so there is that tension they're they're still going to be they there's the chances are people are finding an awful lot harder so the people who are doing the work that you're yeah. For, you know, that you guys are carrying out are also finding it But rate.
1: in order to do that, what we really need is more companies to come on board yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and to understand the need, uh, to the, the way that we've set things up, you know, yeah. with yeah. the core costs, and, but to be willing that some of their contribution goes to that. That would yeah. be mm-hmm. amazing.
0: Well, hopefully this will help
2: yeah. Yeah, yes. today. Well, our our <laughs> approach has been this, right, is that if we can demonstrate what we can do with a little... W- then somebody who is considering supporting us has evidence yeah. to make their decision on rather than me saying, I'd like to do this. So that's how we operate. We did it small and everything has, has grown from that. And yeah. there's a, now a, a data, there's like an evidence base. So if somebody wants to know how we, how mm-hmm. their funds will be steward, stewarded, then, then there's the evidence there. And that's how our approach has been to grow and, and engaging with new companies. So, um, yeah, that's, so we're just going to carry on doing what we're doing. And if people want to, help that'd be be great (laughs) before you started um Orphan, or as you started it should
0: say what was your biggest fear what was the the biggest concern that you had going into it
2: (laughs) i've had a chance to think about this (laughs) let me answer (laughs) (laughs) Um, for me it was not fulfilling the promise to look after these kids and i think they've lost their dad their mom and to hurt them again Mm. so uh i think under-promising and over-delivering has always been the the goal not to try and raise hopes and expectations beyond what can be met so that's crossing that line and hurting the kids again is always my greatest fear
1: yeah and for me i think it's just that charity is very much dependent on generosity of people Mm. you know and so if we are not empowered to be able to help these children then actually you know (sighs) You're almost letting them down again, aren't you? Yeah. So it's kind of like you've, you've stepped in to help them. Our heart is to help them long-term so that they can grow and become adults and thrive. Yeah. Um, so I suppose my fear is that we wouldn't be able to sustain our help and so therefore we would, you know, be letting, mm. letting them down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You, you mentioned as well a, a, a little earlier about um, ethics mm. and comp- the, the culture of, of the organisation as well. How do you sort of drive that forward how to how do you maintain that? how did you establish it in the first place obviously you guys have got such sort of big personalities and and warm personalities but other people coming into the organization organization may not have mm. so how do you kind of manage that internally
2: i think that's something we are have are facing and have faced just in recent times as the team have grown yep. um in the in the uk uh so what we did, we, we was privileged to have a bit of consulting from uh, Deloitte's human capital team. Okay, and, they, and I kind of asked that question about how do we, how do we grow, and one of the things that they came back was was a purpose statement and a purpose narrative, and how you how do you make decisions you know so to achieve your your purpose um, and, and putting that down work, and, and so the last 10, well, 20 years. Was, was an opportunity for us to extract the principles. Okay, well, if you're faced with this, what's the principle here? Um, and the fundamental thing in everything we do, we've got a big board, a wall of all the kids' faces, or, you know, some, many of the kids' faces. And we just, why do we do, why are we here? And it's for them. So everything emanates from that, that child um, and some fundamental, and how do we keep them safe, warm, healthy, and learning? Mm-hmm. And then there's principles around how you deal cross-culturally, different countries, different. you know, there's so many front lines that are so different yeah. Um, So we put that down now and that sort of handrail was was really helpful. And now we're beginning to um, steward. And the other thing that has come recently is um, just the understanding of as leaders, what are we to do? You know, are we to drive, you know, sort of model? Are we a pyramid, upside down pyramid, whatever? And just something that came to me recently was when you build build a building, the first stone that goes down is called the cornerstone. And that cornerstone aligns everything off the foundations. And our job is to be that. Is to make sure everything's aligned and if there's a new room to be that cornerstone and say, right, this is how you build off and then to empower other people to play their part. Yeah. So that model is, um, is something that, you know, we Your are trying to emanate. And, but also the plumb line and the direction yeah. and then that room is designed to look after the child because that's our purpose. Yeah. Um, so th- these sorts of things are, are helping us as we're growing and um, I am just so proud of our team. They keep us online, man. They like they come back, <laughs> man. Do. These kids know this is this decision. We need we can't do that because yeah. actually it's going against what we what we've we've said, and we're like, okay, well that's that's out yeah. the window, and yeah. and so we're all stewards, um, and the heart is to be not come at it as a project or like we're, they're, they're a number. We are family, mm. so this if you build your, your culture around we are putting a parental structure, in. so who are the people we're wanting to relate to, these are people that are with us who get what it is to be a father and a mother. Damien and Helen get that. Yeah. And so that's why there's this long-term relationship because together we can help a generation grow and many generations to grow up. Um, and so that's that's sort of the those some of the key things that, that are there. Um, yeah. But it's a new area we're going into, but yeah. I'm really proud of the team. We're, yeah. we're doing good. No, fantastic. And I think
0: you guys obviously are, are integral to what happens within the charity, but how how reliant is the charity on you if, if that makes sense as a question if, if you guys were to step away would would operation Orphan continue without you do you think or would would there
2: need to be a sort of transitional phase i suppose as well do you have an exit plan i'm building that exit plan okay so that whole point of the the principles and articulating that and bringing people into that means that we're custodians of a vi- of, of a vision exactly, rather yeah. than it being around our personality but and that's one of the hardest things as founders transitioning to the next group of people is um, how do you how do you do that and so definitely putting that in that purpose narrative talking about it is, is saying to people let's go back there to make our decisions is is this decision reflective in this mm. these goals and if it is great um, and and then let's go ahead with it so uh we are, i definitely on a personal level i'm definitely trying to plan um my way out of it yeah um and the the reality is is that the work that's been done by Operation Orphan is, is done by hundreds and hundreds of people across yeah. the world. Yeah. Okay, we're not doing that. We just happen to play a part and yeah. in that interface between the people that have and want to help mm. and the people that are wanting to help but don't have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, for the, for the, and we're all committed to the child. Yeah. So we, but it would
1: definitely we, go on without and, us for sure.
2: And, yeah. and that yeah. is, that's what we're intentionally building in. So that it does, yeah. I think that's really encouraging for people to hear. I mean, talking about you guys personally,
0: obviously with your t- with your skills, with your talents, with your sort of ambition. You, if you don't mind me asking, you could have both made fortunes. I'm assuming in a in a corporate environment. So, other than what you actually do on a day to day basis, what, what's motivating you to to keep going? What, how did you sort of come to the decision to to leave that? Mm. path behind and, and choose values, a values
1: different... you know we just in our early years of marriage we talked a lot about what our values are okay. and what kind of like family we wanted to have and mm. you know where our emphasis is and it's on the intangible stuff yeah. really it's the stuff that you can't quantify you know we want to make a difference in people's lives we want to leave a legacy behind us yeah. and I think that would be my answer to that question yeah
2: no absolutely mm. and my answer is I made a promise in Moldova That was so deep that, um, I, I know that if I'm an old man looking back on my life and I haven't done my best to try and fulfill that promise, then there will be a big hole and a a big lament in my life. So, um, these things come, you know what I mean? And I didn't ask for it, that happened, you know? And, and so you respond to it. Um, and you know, there's a, from a belief system, you know, and from my values, it's, uh. Mm. those are what motivate me you know and yeah. so then yeah you steward it as best you can and yeah and here we are
1: yeah and also I was a teacher before okay and um, I remember seeing quite a few children who had parents who didn't spend any time with them they had lots of money and they had all the stuff that they wanted mm. not just what they needed you know yeah. Yeah. Um, they too. were not very happy yeah and I remember that part of our right. conversation mm. where in those early days it's like, wow, these you know, these kids, they've got everything that they could possibly want, mm. but all they really want is to spend time with their folks. Yeah. And um, It's the most
0: important thing that they're I like, know, it's yeah.
1: so interesting. And sometimes we can get swallowed up with, you know, society and consumerism and everything that our society mm-hmm. kind of is mm. and uh, forget the most important mm-hmm. things which yeah. are things that money can't buy. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the intangibles. Yeah. There's, a, yeah, there's a
2: phrase, a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. And I think the, the reality is you can be fatherless with your actual father present. Yeah. So being, being fathered isn't just having a physical person there, it's actually the ingredients that that father brings into that child's life yeah. to prepare them for future, and same with the mother. And so uh, that, to me, it's the experience of the child, mm that they need and so when you're stepping in and, and you're saying right i'm going to protect you well that's what a father does and that's mm-hmm. what a mother does i'm going to nurture you i'm going to care for you and so those elements come back into a child's life it gives them hope yeah it Gives them purpose and then it it's a fulfillment of our promise and so it, it, everybody's winning you know yeah. um and so yeah i think there's so many
0: children and families who thank you for making the decision that you made rather than going into the, into a corporate
2: environment no, well, good. But, but i want to flip that you see with damien and helen They've got yeah. the same heart. Yeah, I guess so. But they yeah, went of into course. the corporate environment. Yeah. They went into business. And so they have stayed into, in their lane. There stu- um, uh, was a, a, a peer review paper that um, was done by the Development Studies Association on the relationship between Dambro and Operation Orphan. It's out there. It's published. Um, and it was, how do, how do two, these two entities coexist together? And I said to Damien just yesterday, like, if you haven't stayed in your lane, and made dambro the success that it is and and you guys hadn't worked at that and built into the dna of your business mm. giving. The, the giving the generosity and the and the uh, and stewarding that and building and getting involved in that but s- becoming the best accountants yeah you know in mean? building this firm then none of this could have happened yeah you know and if i tried and we would tried to do commercially and that and gone for that my, yeah. maybe none of this would have happened and yeah. so this is where relationships and knowing your purpose, knowing what you're good at and being the best, but making sure that you have, true to yourself, have true to yourself, put those ingredients in the DNA of your infrastructure yeah. that are there to add value to other people. That's yeah. what yourself. You can't lose. Yeah. Mm. I think it goes back to that relationship that you were talking about
0: earlier, that marriage Stronger between together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How have your roles changed over the years and how do you see them changing in the next few years? Yeah. Wow.
1: My role has changed quite a lot. Okay. Yeah. So now, um, obviously, when we were just getting things started, it was so hard because we didn't have relationships with lots of people and we wanted people to trust us and we were starting from zero. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but now people know who we are and they know what we've done and we've got a whole bank of, you know, like Brad was saying earlier on, stories and things that help to build trust. And so that's really good. And so, so now people are like starting to come and they meet. The other team members are not me. And yeah. that's, you know, that's different. Yeah. And But it's great. Um, so now I, I just get involved with more of the communication stuff, the social media sort of things, yep. and I work mm-hmm. part-time. So um, Brad worked full-time and you just kind of oversee things, but you've mm-hmm. kind of carved up your role a little bit as well, haven't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it was pretty intense when you're building stuff, but now we're bringing people in mm-hmm. as resources have come in to pro- uh, to allow us to do that yeah um so definitely building broadening the team um, yeah. and the proactive side of things so um and that's like the crisis response team things that are like we're going in on the front foot um, and yeah. so that's it's uh, intentional so I've got, I've got some incredible people yeah on that team so that's great that we're able to delegate that out and so our role now is is um is relationship building ensuring that um that the negotiation for cross cultural stuff is, is intact Are you yeah. with me the financial controls yeah, making sure that it's there dealing with any you know issues that that come up because trust is our commodity is that, you know everything is based on trust high trust high efficiency mm-hmm. low trust low efficiency yeah. so you you work hard at maintaining trust and you nip things in the bud when 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 there's a threat to that trust yeah. um, mm-hmm. and so that's really what we are doing and and telling stories um and Syl's incredible at at her social media and, and telling stories in yeah. a way that people understand so that's a huge gift that she has um and so that's where yeah that's where we're at and there's guys that are delivering some really tough stuff we're dealing with leaving heavy items and beds and going into children's you know it's practical things it's you know there's a lot of work boxes lorry loads of clothing and yeah you know and all that sort of stuff it's it's hard work but the volunteers and the companies that are getting involved is just it's, it's incredible. Really humbling, so really, it's. It? It, it, it's it I was going to say, it yeah. must yeah. make really you humbling. incredibly proud to watch other yeah, people carry like your vision forward yeah. and, and deliver on your behalf yeah. as yeah. well. That's yeah. what I feel like we're safe for the future because there's so many people that are involved because they want to help the kids, yeah. and we, we've we've made it about the, the children. Yeah. yeah, it's not about us; it's about the child. So yeah. it's going. Yeah, to. Yeah,
0: and and your the the circumstances that you deal with, the the environments you go into are obviously incredibly tough and very harrowing in a lot of cases. So. We've recently had World Mental Health Day and we've done some stuff um, in the business around that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about how you manage your own mental health, each of you. I mean, it must be quite comforting having y- your wife and husband on, you know, in, in the journey together with you. But how do you manage that, considering the, the environments that you're going into and the, and the things that you're seeing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's certainly been a challenge at yeah. times. I know that there've been situations that I've walked into that have changed me forever. Okay. And I feel like, you know, I'll never be the same mm-hmm. as a result of seeing those things. Yeah. Um I think the main thing is to be open and to talk about it. You don't you don't want to keep things bottled up. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to talk, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um we do some training so not just for us but for teams that maybe come overseas right. and get involved, we do some training just to kind of pre-warn them about the kind of things that might impact them and also to let them know that after they come back if they're feeling certain feelings they need to know that they can you know Plug in and talk to us about about those yeah. things because that's really
0: important. That pastoral care of yeah. the people there, yeah, the yeah.
1: aftercare, you yeah, know, yeah. and because that we've realised that that is, you know, it's it's imperative. As a team, we're quite close, and it's nice. I think that there's a lot of openness and honesty within the office, and so if somebody's really struggling with something, yeah. they can say, mm-hmm. and the rest of us will hopefully support them in yeah. that. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is it's a real issue, yeah. mm-hmm. definitely. Um, it's not always easy. No, I imagine. But then you remind yourself of why you're doing right. what you're doing. You know, yeah. what, why are you doing that? Yeah. And yeah. you look at the pictures on the wall that Brad referenced earlier on, and it just reminds you, you these are individual people's lives that you're impacting. Yeah. And it just keeps you going, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Fantastic. I think there've been some really challenging things, like Sirlyn says. You you go into a situation and it marks you. It might trigger you from your past that happened to me with the Syrian in Jordan. Um, so coming back and being able to talk to people at the right time, I think um, knowing yourself. So when I get irritable or I start, you know, becoming a pain, um, usually, I usually so know that. she knows that. She, you know, and, and then, but, but then I, but I'm not afraid of, then you, you face it and you process it. I think being in a position where you're able to then maybe do something about it. So a sphere of, Circle or sphere of influence, circle of concern. So yes, when you a, when you're concerned about it, something it's brings about. frustration. But if you can influence it, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a release to that that tension that's yeah. built up, and so that is one of the great privileges of having this mechanism called Operation Orphan. Yeah, that we're able to then maybe bring some change or alter something mm-hmm. or do something yeah. different. Um, so that is a real um, m- release in frustration mm-hmm. and and. And problems and then sometimes when injustices take place or you see things that are wrong well then you ask yourself the question well how should it be done now I've got a responsibility to do it and can it be done right and so then you put your energy into doing that and even if you can do it on a small scale even if you can do it for one child or five children it means it's possible yeah. you know and that that injustice that you're seeing all that and, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on that shouldn't go on in, yeah. in, in the international world but um, you're doing something different and so that that that's huge but um
1: that phrase that you mentioned i think you should say that again
2: yeah well failure sphere, sphere of influence, influence and your circle of circle concern. Of concern. i'm concerned about things about I, years ago, I it's deal kind with, of yeah a huge thing, with yeah, so when you concerned about an issue but you can't do anything about it frustration builds and you get angry and you this and that and then you get and that's when people start doing things and, and reacting mm. disproportionately to the situation and then you get the then you get the flight I um, can't do it and you throw it away or you fight and you become an irritation yeah. you know what I mean and, and you cause chaos the, the secret then is well how do you create inf- how do you become an influence in that situation so you've got to earn the right then to be able to bring change and so um, that's so you, you you lower frustration by recognizing this is a concern of mine. I've got no influence in it. Yeah. Well, you if you know want to change face. it, go and become an make become an influence in it. Yeah. And so that's how you. That's how you mitigate the sort of frustrations and the yeah, issues absolutely. that you see. It's so quite a cool thing. It's twin. a great principle it's there. Yeah, that mm-hmm. helps What about the mental health of the, of the people, just briefly, that you're
0: encountering as well? Because that's something, oh you're, you're taking them out of, of certain environments, you, you're taking care of them physically, but what about yeah, mentally?
1: So, the, you know, we're possible. So obviously all of our projects are all completely different. Mm-hmm. But for example, the children in Sierra Leone, so they're all Ebola orphans. And we went over quite regularly. And one of the things I identified was, obviously, these kids have been traumatized. They've all lost their parents. And the one thing that they're not addressing is this, you mm-hmm. know, the psychosocial element of it. Um, and just as a rule, they they tend to sort of push their feelings down and they don't really talk about things, I yeah. noticed. And I noticed that they get cross if the kids cry and things like that, you know. So I just gently kind of, it was... Uh, my concern and i had influence so i just said i really think that we need to get some help some somebody that's like a counselor or trauma therapist or someone to come in regularly Mm -hmm. just to be a safe space not one of the people who are normally looking after the children but someone else that they know that they can come to to talk to and then that was implemented in the project so that was um that was really great to see that happen and it wasn't just a good idea but that they actually did it you know Mm -hmm. because it's not us that's there working things on a daily basis as other, other people you yeah. know but it was nice nice to see that they they saw the value in that and actually did something about it mm-hmm. so yeah yeah
2: and i think by bringing hope a real hope to them like stabilizing that does h- h- wonders in mental health yeah. you know and, and bring that they're not alone that's why uk projects called forget me nots yeah they didn't know they're not forgotten mm. you know it's that sort of It is very powerful, very powerful Mm. uh, message, and it could just be a blanket. Mm. And And some of the
1: projects are actually psychosocial mm, projects. The the whole point of them is kind of therapy sessions. Some of the projects are that
2: purely that children living with HIV. Yeah, you know, and how do they manage having AIDS? You know, and growing up as a teenager with antiretroviral drugs. The thousands and thousands of children in the city just HIV HIV positive. Yeah, Mm. so it's it's that's one purely. uh, Yeah. Yeah pastoral and psychosocial okay. But I think
1: it's an element that needs to like, run through all of the projects really, yeah, because yeah. all of those kids have been traumatized really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent.
0: So on a bit of a lighter note, um, I know your daughter Lori is a little bit of a trailblazer in her own life. <laughs> she is. Um, I believe she lobbied Disney Studios into making, she what was the did. name of the film? Because there was one with Encanto the princess. Encanto
1: is the most, re- well, the one where the, the you know, girl wears glasses that's it yeah mirabelle wears glasses and so that was cool
0: amazing and now she's doing um she wants more representation of glasses wearers on smartphone emojis yeah i mean the apple obviously doesn't fall very far from the tree does it so <laughs> you must yes, be very proud of her i
1: am so proud of her yeah. she's just noticed this herself it came from within her as a yeah. little child i think she saw that there was a bit of an injustice yeah really isn't it yeah and she just wanted to do something about it and in in her little mind she was just like i'll write a letter and then they'll make a film and like we all know that's not how it happens but in her innocence she wrote this letter and mm-hmm. basically we have a film and i mean it's ridiculous. really cool isn't it <laughs> but it was lovely because her little voice obviously shook to just one person mm-hmm. with a letter i'm sure that disney wouldn't have really ever read the letter but what happened was I shared it on social media and it went viral and then her one voice became thousands and millions of voices yes, because it's such a good needs, idea as well yeah, i think
0: yeah yeah people can jump on board absolutely. with that absolutely
1: yeah so she's a superstar bless her but she's also very very down to earth and yeah, she's yeah. not looking for fame she is just wanting to see change
0: yeah yeah no all power to her it's absolutely yeah. brilliant um back to your day jobs yes um so <laughs> this podcast sort of aims at providing sort of tangible takeaways to new entrepreneurs new business leaders um, and I wondered what sort of um, parallels there were between what you guys do running Operation Orphan and what parallels there are to, say, Helen and Damien running a, running a business and what advice you would have to, to entrepreneurs in, in that regard.
2: Okay. Um, so one of the things, if you're going to leave, you've got to be prepared to do. Mm. So in everything that we've developed, I, we've crafted it, we've done it, we've got our hands dirty, we've, and, and you can go through that full development cycle yourself um, it means you have an authority then to be able to lead people because you understand what they're going through. Um, I know Damien and Helen did that yep. in the beginning. I was, we saw them firsthand doing that. And th- that model of doing that within the charitable sector, so developing a disaster response team, for me, Nepal happened and the earthquake was going on. And I'm like, well, if I don't go mm. and experience it, and how can I ask somebody else to go into a danger yep. zone? So that's the extreme. So that principle works. It's like just get out there, do it, test it, craft it, um, and then, if it has value, it, you'll go around the next yeah. cycle, and, and it'll gain gain momentum. I think it requires courage, um, because um, and and also that that sense of knowing that you're probably not going to be in, encouraged, yeah, even by people you think should encourage you mm-hmm. to do it, because a lot of people don't see what you see. So, if you believe in what you can see, you know, you can see it inside. Go for it. Yeah. Test it. Bring out that concept. Don't, don't, and, and you don't have to be paid for it initially. If you believe in it enough, you'll do it. Yeah. Regardless. And then it'll eventually transition out. So don't look for encouragement from others. You find that in, in yourself. And because there'll be days down the road when um, the, the weight of the responsibility that you're carrying will sometimes be overwhelming okay. and you've got it, or you will feel despondent or you might come back and be traumatized from something and not want to give up you've got to know how to motivate yourself again. So yeah. you've got to know how to go back to your anchor points in life and remind yourself. So for me, I go back to Moldova. Mm-hmm. So whenever I feel a bit, you know, at sea, I'll go back to Moldova and remind, ah, oh, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And then there's, there's other things that I've marked in my development yeah. that allow me to re- recalibrate remember and remember my purpose because there are days that you forget it. And there's days that it's, you know, the weeds can get so overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. So that, that, that courage, that that internal um, internal belief in what you're doing and learning how to encourage yourself are yeah. fundamentals as an entrepreneur. Yeah, And no, then eventually brilliant. people come along and, and then you celebrate. If it if it has life, it blossoms. Yeah. And then you can celebrate it. No, fantastic. I mean, you mentioned before about an exit plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the, the amount of work that you guys do, I know you said, Cyril, that you're part-time as well and obviously you're out on operations mm-hmm. a lot. So how, if that's the right term, yeah. so how... Um, Much time do you guys get to and want to devote to forward planning, strategy, that kind of thing, or or does does the day to day get in the way of that a lot? You're
1: quite a strategic person. Yeah, I think about
2: it all the time. Yeah, you know, it's important. So what I've seen is I've seen founders, um, the organization die with the founder because they built the business around the founder or the charity around the founder. There's no difference between business or charity. In fact, business is easier. Yeah. you're under less legislation and yeah. less scrutiny less red you've tape, got less red tape. You, there's uh, charities that you 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 are scrutinized by the public and the government you know so um it, it's quite quite a you know it, there's a lot of stuff you got to get your head yeah. around um but uh the uh, oh sorry i've i've lost what i'm no, saying some people have the business dies with them
1: okay that's right yeah. okay so
2: so for me seeing founders start something and then they build it around themselves mm-hmm. that dies so you've got to build it around a vision. Mm. So, but you've got to have time to write the vision. You've got to have time to test the vision. So it's being kind to yourself initially. But when, you start some, when something starts formalizing and maybe you start widening your, your leadership team or your decision makers, then that's when it needs to be, people have got to go into something neutral, central for them to be able to make that decision. Yeah. Over. And So that's where we are right now transitioning to that. Um, and then it needs time to consolidate to test and and are other people able to pick that up um, and then the other thing is is looking for um, you know is that what you've what you have started off with is that what's guiding people's decisions or are people coming in with other ulterior motives because everyone else has a different way of doing things mm-hmm. that's okay to do it differently but is your purpose stay the same yeah. and are they aiming at that and if you can start seeing people demonstrating a different maybe a different way you would do it strategically or, or practically but the outcome is where you would get up yeah. get to then you're safe but if they are if their destination is different to where your destination yeah. would be then you need to kind of bring that in so that whole thinking all the time because I don't want us to get to a point where those remember I said our fear in the big my fear was that these kids would be yeah hurt again so if we build it around us they will get hurt again because there will be some kids that if we anything happens to us it stops yeah. operation ends that's their support gone yeah so I have a duty to plan my exit yeah and that's so sort of that's such a strong
0: reason yeah. to, to yeah. be doing it i guess as well isn't it with the the constant sort of challenges and, and stretched resources that we've, we've been talking about one question that we've asked everybody that's appeared on the podcast is how you define success so how do you f- define success both on a personal level and in terms of, of the charity
2: Let well, these children safe warm, healthy and learning simple that, that's what they are And for yourselves?
1: Yeah, I think success is in like seeing others thrive, isn't it? So if we're doing our job well, then what that means is that we've enabled people to thrive, you know, that wouldn't have Mm. otherwise. So I guess that is and it's not necessarily about the amount of people that we're helping, because I think sometimes you can get taken up with numbers and and then, you know, you help a lot of people, but the help is very shallow. I think what we do mostly is quite deep.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, deep. We penetrate quite deeply um, into uh, really helping people get on their own two feet. And yeah. so, yes, we, we could just count numbers and we could say, oh, yeah, we've given coats to thousands upon thousands of people. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's a small thing. But more than that, I think we're helping people holistically yeah. um, to grow up and to be safe yeah. and mm-hmm. to have access to education and have food and have healthcare yeah. and and all those things that we can kind of take yeah. for granted a little bit, but yeah. actually they're definitely not things that other people take for granted.
0: And yeah. I think having such a simple, powerful mission must make it easier to bring people on board yeah. with you. because yeah. it's all it's pretty self-explanatory yeah. what you guys are doing, yeah. and it's it's, it's never going to not be needed. It's such an yeah. amazing yeah. service that you, you provide. Yeah. Um, so finally, then, how do you how can people get involved? How can they support what you guys are doing? Whether it's businesses, whether it's individuals, gosh.
1: There's lots of ways in which people can help. I love this question. Um, there are so many different ways. People might want to help um, us with our core costs. Uh, we were talking about earlier on, we give 100% of money to help projects, but we actually need money to fund what we do. So that is one way that you know people could help. Or they could help by giving a donation to help us help the children, um, which could be a monthly amount and they could become part of our Keep A Child family or it could be a one-off donation just to help us. Um, people can get in touch with us and build a bit of a relationship and maybe we can do something really powerful together based on what their organisation is about and what their heart is, you know. So we're we really are about sort of empowering people to help in an in-kind way as well. So it might not be a financial donation, but it could be, as Brad was saying earlier on, the company that helped us to, you know, get our purpose statement um that was like an in-kind donation really mm -hmm. something that we wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise but mm -hmm. it was something that they offered to us we have a media collective who design our newsletters and our literature and stuff and they do that for free so that's their contribution to us so instead of it costing us money to produce those things it costs us nothing that's their way of helping us so Mm in-kind donations are very much welcome absolutely mm-hmm. but yeah so you can donate you can set up a monthly standing order you can get in touch and become a you know a partner of ours and we can do something really strategic together mm-hmm. um, so there's lots and lots of different ways
2: mm-hmm. so,
0: so, yeah
2: and one of the things that we do is and that's what sort of and I kind of bring to it is we can discuss that with business owners so we have PLCs coming now mm-hmm. and saying how do we get involved so okay well let's talk about what are your objectives what are your goals how do we find a win-win uh, you know mutually beneficial relationship that reflects your values but actually is helping the child so that negotiation is is critical and and so um yeah we're seeing more of that and you know so those conversations anybody just wanting to have a chat yeah is is a is a, a real um is a great way forward with no expectations yeah let's have a chat if it works great if it doesn't no problem at all so a conversation with people who have influence would yeah. be great.
0: Awesome. And if those if those kind of people are out there and they yeah. want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? You, you've got, you obviously, you've got the website.
2: Yes. Um, so my email is brad at operation-orphan.org or cyrilin at operation-orphan.org or call the office and, um, yeah, just what's say, the I'd the like to have a chat. What's the office number, Brad? <laughs> oh, it's 15
1: that's pretty impressive. Not I can't remember. Let's hope, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Let's hope it's
2: right. Let's hope it's right. Well, thank Never you so much for for, for coming in today and oh, hopefully, you.
0: hopefully you'll get plenty of calls off the end of this. So I really great. appreciate it. it. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having thank us. Thank you for, for your support, yeah.
1: honestly. yeah,
0: oh, Brilliant. brilliant.